0: What does a political writer think who went to the Freedom Convoy about the testimony about the Freedom Convoy at the Ottawa inquiry and the different levels of responsibility from governments to police forces? Alex Brown is a writer has a Substack we'll mention that during this segment as well and get into what his views have been these first 7 8 days of testimony on 640 Toronto. I want to have you back. We've been meaning to have you back for a while. Um and you must be observing this inquiry into the emergency you haven't been called to testify by the way have you and then said no or pretended that you didn't get asked has this happened
1: no not yet thanks for having me back first and foremost uh not yet but i'm I'm keeping an eye on my gmail uh yeah. the, bank ac- the bank account was never frozen either and so I, I take these all as positives and uh unlike doug ford i don't think i'm gonna try to invoke parliamentary pl- uh, privilege if they do if they do call me back
0: yeah the one thing I'd say is let's talk. Let, let the act itself. I remember at the time the week it got called and I think two things didn't materialize one. And maybe this is still happening. We weren't sure there was a phenomenal reason for it to be utilized. But all these other things didn't start. There was a lot of doom and gloom and they want to know what you're doing all the time and watch you and we're in, you know, we're we're going into the, uh, you know, we're through the looking glass on them invading our, I don't think that latter parts happened either with the liberal government, love them, hate them. They don't really care what we've been spending our money on the last nine months.
1: No. And so it's certain. It's funny to be in a position now where we're perhaps eight months removed. You're able to look at the forest through the trees a little bit. where on one hand, you know, they it didn't end up freezing everyone's bank accounts like yours truly. Uh, but on the other <laughs> hand, they still have not presented to the public the the proof that the Emergencies Act was required. Like we are. We are a week into proceedings, and yet uh, the OPP, the Ottawa Police, the RCMP have all just been sort of playing this game of passing the buck down the line, saying, "No, we hadn't exhausted all our resources. No, we didn't actually call for this. No, we don't. Well, we there were sort of ideas of violence; those were those were more current than actual violence. And uh, yes, these were sort of uncouth characters, or some were." But uh, it did not rise to the occasion uh, or Mm. did not rise to meet the definition of a of an emergency on on home soil that warranted like a wartime never used act.
0: And I think there's a lot of shared circumstances um, like anything else. I think there were people there with questionable flags, questionable ideas about what was going to happen. And then there weren't. There were people in Ottawa that felt really you know upset their their lives were no doubt disrupted there can't be much doubt that it it disrupted the city and then i'd make the case that there were politicians passing the buck and and a police force in the city of ottawa that seemed utterly unprepared and incompetent and i'd i'd argue there was a mayor leading a city council that was exactly the same and i found his testimony laughable um but there's a lot of like i said there's a lot of sort of I wouldn't call them half truths, but there's just so many variables that we can't say the cops did this universally. The people that were there to protest were there for one universal reason. And we can't even make the case that the response should have been the same in one universal fashion either. Handle each situation as you see fit
1: individually. A lot of mistruths, a lot of half truths, so much conjecture which I've written about a few times where I just sort of keep coming back to some fundamental principle where it's, it's yes, you can disagree with the protests and the memorandum, which was still ridiculous, but this was an apocalypse in, in, in the eyes of some, and there's a, there was a degree of sort of fatalist rhetoric and you have a mayor struggling against his council and it even just came out, just crossed my desk, so to speak. Andrew Lawton just reported that he was even looking to to seize the trucks and then sell them. And so you had people; they were also seeing red mist at the same time. We were relying on anecdotes. There was the there was the arson hoax where people were very worried that right. the truckers had tried to burn down a building, but it they weren't truckers, and it just seemed like some ne'er do wells from the neighborhood. And yet, it seems like a, you know a week into this inquiry. We haven't actually gotten any further than that. We're still stuck on on, on these just sort of personal feelings and feelings over facts, and it doesn't serve anybody, and it certainly doesn't serve the Mm. fact that, again, this act was deployed against Canadian protesters, love them or hate them, and uh, it was supposed to exist for threats to national security.
0: Alex Brown is our guest on Toronto Today. AcceptableViews.substack.com is uh, the blog. Let me ask you about when you were there, what was the worst thing you thought might happen? What was the worst thing you thought might kick off? Because again, at that time it's cold weather, everything is carrying on, tensions are growing. There are reports about, you know, there's some really credible reporters and I won't call it credible reporting talking about bombs and talking about weapons and gas canisters all over the place. So even from afar, and I wasn't there and you were, I got the sense, It's possible something could kick off, but maybe nobody will have nobody will have the guts to do something really designed to spark a reaction or designed to be just downright terrible or evil. How did you feel when you were there in that moment?
1: So first and foremost, I, uh, uh, funnily enough, um, although maybe not. Uh, predictably perhaps given maybe some of my contrarian stance, I never, I never felt unsafe. The, the people I knew who were also there, who were checking it out, who were curious about it, some who were reporting on it, they didn't feel unsafe as well. But I think from, from speaking with some truckers and some people who were part of sort of the, this little community that had been put together and protesters who had come from all around the country, the concern was just, you know, one or two agitators, one bad apple, maybe mm-hmm. someone they hadn't seen before who comes in on a weekend and, and, throws a rock at a police officer or a couple guys who try to break into a, to a parliament building or something. And then that, that casts an even more negative light uh, over the protest and over them than what was already being portrayed by some in the media. Some, I believe, honestly, and others I, you know, you question, maybe some of the framing of their reporting, Mm -hmm. but uh, as, as far as a protest at large, that no one seemed concerned that anyone was going to try anything crazy. It was just, accounting for potentially one or two bad actors the same way that you know right off the bat you know one or two horrendous flags from individuals that most people are still unable to identify we're sort of able to paint everybody with a broad brush
0: and that felt like that was only a first weekend thing that might have even been only a saturday thing of the first weekend but it goes to say uh, again you know after the first two days the idea that like to hear the mayor of Ottawa say, oh, we thought everybody would be packed up and gone by Sunday at five o'clock when you've got hotels telling police, you know, law enforcement, you know, um, higher ups. We got people booking hotel rooms for 30 days and you don't do that uh, on a lark or thinking, wow, ah, it's, it's a big city to cover in uh, in uh, 21 or 22 days. It's for a purpose like I. I want to believe, I want to believe that in a way the city was an innocent bystander to to what was going to be, you know, at 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 worst an annoyance and or sorry, at best an annoyance and at worst something really chaotic, but I just I I can't believe they were that incompetent to not spot what was going to happen. I'm not there and I know they're staying into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and beyond. And they got, you know, they got really emboldened by nobody touching them or enforcing any of the regular laws that Maybe you'd agree. Maybe you wouldn't. Should have been enforced. If you're parked illegally, enforce somebody. If you're harassing somebody, enforce it. If you're bothering a business, kick them out of the mall. Like there were things that could have been done that were not to to turn the temperature down.
1: Within an hour of being there, uh, I was both told and it was just the evidence of your eyes and ears and in, in other ways, just told you that this was a this was a long term thing. Like I just... I went up to like a trash barrel fire and I was talking to a trucker and then someone who had just come into town from Montreal, a, a very kind Jamaican Canadian, who was just sort of looking to get a feel for the protest after reading about it. And uh, I was just told like, Hey, we're here for the long haul. Like we want the mandates to end and there to at least some of Ottawa's leadership credit, there was some, some solid on the ground policing where you had local police talking to guys, sort of figuring out like the temperature of things. There were embedded, you know, officers. And but it's to a to a man, if you if you went to one of their little sort of food kiosks or open markets, if people were talking about like, hey, we're we're here to stay for a while. And um we're we're not we're not hiding that. And it, to see Jim Watson, I mean, some of his public communications have come out. The mayor of Ottawa is or sort of, even mm-hmm. Trudeau and, and it, it, and watson were trading messages saying hey where's doug ford on all this he's like passing the buck and abstaining from everything it's like jim like these people on the way here we're telling you we're staying here for the long haul like if Doug Ford is hiding from responsibility right now. Like, what have you been doing for the for the last week or two while this while this storm? You couldn't
0: you couldn't find that guy the first two weeks with a compass, uh, and you, you couldn't find him in a sundial. You couldn't find him for two and a half weeks. And after the emergency act was invoked, he, he was uh, you know on CBC doing television interviews again. And I bet you, if you'd ask the mayor of Windsor, I bet you, if you ask John Tory. They'd say we knew what was coming. Some stuff surprised us. Obviously, you know, overtaking the ambassador bridge, blocking it. Uh, Not great, Bob. But after three days, somehow, some way, local law enforcement handled it in Toronto. It was one Friday night and one Saturday afternoon and everybody packed up, got back in their trucks, got back in their vehicles and they were gone because they knew there was there was sort of a no tolerance to it. Ottawa was very Alex. It was very weird from the outside, just with the idea that um it was it was sort of a don't ask don't tell thing. Don't cause too much trouble, we won't do anything. Don't go too crazy. We won't it just felt that way.
1: Say what we you will about Mayor John Tory, uh and I think we all have uh in in certain ways. Not that he's done a, a a terrible job or anything like that, but on most key issues, he can often be found on the side of a milk carton. Like it is it has always sort of been his political style to not ruffle any feathers. I've always sort of thought of him as Canada's Mitt Romney, where it's just this sort of middle of the road approach on so many key issues. Whereas in Ottawa, like I, that first night I was just walking around laughing to myself because you could see this like semi permanent infrastructure being mm-hmm. put in. Um, and I like I wouldn't go as so far as to call it a siege or what have you, but there were it was it was planned out. There were rations, there were porta johns, there was power, there were stages, there was a. There was a dance party. Like there was a legitimate like DJ's booth at the corner down by um by the big old hotel there, the Chateau Laurier.
0: Yep, and, uh, yeah, Chateau Laurier, yeah.
1: It was kind of remarkable to see and it's just all of that was evident from the beginning and yet you had all these hmm. politicians, including the prime minister, just sort of pawning it off on other people. I mean, these this he absconded to Harrington Lake as well. Uh, you know, all it took was a rapid test and he was gone and I can appreciate that there was a level of operational security to that because you're not sure exactly who's showing up yet, but hmm. everyone went to cover their butts and then a week or two in, they all come up for air and go, uh Oh, we got a problem. Now we actually have to deal with it.
0: I think you also described adequately a uh, Buffalo bills tailgate. And when I've been there, I'm like, this is a lot of work <laughs> to set up at 10 in the morning and leave at 7 PM at night. Like, like some of you people have jobs on Monday morning,
1: not all of them, but the some, only thing I but some ask- of them do. I didn't see anyone go through a table. No, and so that was uh, that was probably so it, almost Bill's esque. Maybe actually not as rowdy as a Bill's tailgate.
0: So a couple minutes left. Since you started your blog, I'm sure people ask you, well, what do you what do you believe in politically? And I would say what I like that people say about me is you're a hard guy to figure out. Can't figure out where you land. And I'm like, well, I can't figure out where I land right now either. But I also think that's a good thing because I worry we've gotten here in part because of tribal politics ideological politics um root for the sweater root for the jersey and you don't strike me as that are you do you look and you say i'm really frustrated by a ton of choices around me i have beliefs i have principles i have ethics nobody's checking all the boxes for me right now how do you describe it to people
1: i mean that's very kind of you and it's it's generous to frame it that way i i I just believe especially after perhaps the last two and a half years where it it would just be so hard to still be like a fervent partisan who who you know had their laundry on had on their blue or red and were just you know i'm infallible the the sins of my side are forgivable just because the other guys are worse when we've just seen mistakes across the board from on on a on a bipartisan level. Like, I, I suppose I'm just at a point where I just think of myself as a, a heterodox thinker, where you're just, you don't just totally go with what's being presented on absolutely everything. My last piece was about, you know, Doug Ford's support for Justin Trudeau's Emergencies Act, and just saying, like, look, I once thought of myself as as more conservative leaning, mm-hmm. maybe I still am by the definition of, of our modern culture. But you know, these are guys that are making mistakes uh, in lockstep and concurrently. And I still don't believe the Emergencies Act was required. I mean, if our if our police services and and intelligence community are telling us it isn't, uh, I would uh, that that counts for something when all that's left are are the sort of the feelings of politicians, uh, which, you know, I don't believe cross any sort of legal threshold. And so I just Mm -hmm. believe that it's we've seen a lot of you know what covering over the last Mm -hmm. two and a half and the mistakes of certain elements of lockdowns and the divisive impacts of mandates and sort of log rolling for certain special interests and and big pharmaceutical interests. And, you know, it's great that everyone's been vaccinated and it's great that everyone stayed home and stayed safe, but that was a lot harder for a lot of people. And I still believe that politicians have an accountability that is lacking there. And there has just been this lack of, of humility that like, you know what, we actually caused a lot of harm too. We caused a lot of rifts in our country. And uh, I mm. unless you're working in partisan politics specifically and you're trying to win elections and you're trying to keep the machine running uh, and your party in the air, I, I just couldn't imagine uh, only criticizing one side right now.
0: I know it's tough to read from the, you know, the municipal election. Some of the results are just terrible for voter turnout and the Ontario provincial election, the same thing. You're, you're you're voting for more choices municipally. The school boards are a major issue right now. And, and I'd even call our own show out and say, we probably didn't talk about issues in school enough, but you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fast moving world. We had 44% out for the Ontario general election, but you probably heard the same things I did. And I know we talked about it in February, People were saying I've never voted conservative. I'd never even considered voting for Doug Ford. I cried the day he was elected, but I'm (laughs) not going to vote for the other parties who are challenging him right now because they don't trust me to make my own calls. They don't trust me to make my own calls with my elderly parents, my kids, my workplace, how I get to work. And I think I don't know how I I, I just that, that was not a surprising result to a lot of people. Like you and me, that are kind of, you know, like I, I think have have a finger on the pulse, and I think the only way I think the Liberals have to rebuild their party, reframe it, because maybe the NDP is going to stick to this kind of stuff, and the Liberals have to reframe healthcare, reframe education. I mean, dynasties only last so long, but the the last two parties, Alex, last June, they just handed this election to Doug Ford, in my interpretation, handed it to him.
1: I've never seen an own goal quite like what Stephen Del Duca presented uh to 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 his opposition in the final few weeks of that election campaign like you and i both know dozens of parents even doctors uh who just quietly were like well i'm not comfortable with their stance on mandates right now for my kids in school like i i'm not comfortable with little billy needing two boosters to stay in college or or to even just go to elementary school and so i don't i don't want to risk that even if i am a lifelong liberal and I am just as upset with how Doug Ford handled the last two years. I mean, this is still the guy who, on some really faulty advice, um, closed playgrounds and golf and closed
0: schools in January too. Like that,
1: golf courses, playgrounds. Uh, they 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 ran that ran up that awful trial balloon of those sort of regional police checkpoints at one point, and you're just going, you know, what in the world is happening here? Nowhere else in North America flirted with that save for quebec and quebec is a is a conundrum to us all and i don't think will ever make sense to mm-hmm. an angle like me and so it's it's there has to be i mean if the federal liberals want to win again there has to be some form of reckoning here where they realize like okay we played a lot of games here i mean our conservative counterparts have played some games here but like we have to we have to bring back into our tent some of the folks we have really alienated here and like we we are pushing voters away and it would be a mistake to just think of them now as like crazy right-wingers like these are these are these are classic liberal voters that just don't feel represented anymore and just feel like they are their sort of day to day priorities, be they inflation or or mm-hmm. civil liberties are not being are not being accounted for.
0: It's amazing. And and I I sat down. I told this story once on the air. I sat down with my parents who are 78 and 76. They both taught their entire lives, both supported the unions. They they took me to a couple at Broadbent rallies, and I'm <laughs> glad they did in the 80s. Yeah. Like, I, I got a feel for it. They say to me, they go, I don't recognize any. And we we're talking about provincial politics, sorry, federal politics. They say we don't recognize any of the three parties. We don't recognize any of them anymore for what we knew. And maybe that's generational, maybe you wouldn't from the 50s to the 80s era cuz time times change. But to your point, the liberals and NDP when when the outdoor I'm relitigating as I get it, but when the, when the outdoors was locked down, the liberals and NDP, not just the leaders but the the local MPPs should have been Screaming in front of cameras and my let these people out, let these kids play outdoor sports, let these old vaccinated people go play golf or sit on a park bench. What are we talking about here? And they didn't do it. And people remembered that they didn't do it.
1: And it's such a shame, too, because they didn't want to give up their political wedge, which was safety at all costs, right? Like Ford was being leveraged from the other side where you're you're not doing good enough, you're not doing good enough, you're not doing good enough. You know be harder be harder be harder and so when he would drop something like that you wouldn't actually have horvath or del duca put their hands up and go like hey wait no 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 and so there wasn't actual effective opposition at the time as well because mm-hmm. it was just the race to be as safe as possible and safe i say very much in inverted commas
0: the uh, blog is acceptable we could always talk forever thanks so much congratulations obviously good response to the blog and uh, and I hope it keeps going. Um, really appreciate you coming on Toronto today.
1: Great to be back. Thanks so much, Greg.